0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas, powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network.
0: I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Breakfast Grill. Last year, around this time, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim took office as the 10th Prime Minister of Malaysia. The man that has been waiting in the wings to lead the country for decades finally achieved his goal by cobbling together a unity government with arch enemies, a first for this country. Since then, the economic to-do list has grown longer and more urgent. Joining us for a review of the Madani government's economic agenda and deliverables are Nordin Abdullah, Vice-Chairman of the Malaysia-Australia Business Council and Ferdows Rosli, Chief Economist at Bank Islam. Thank you for joining us today, gentlemen. Now, last Friday, I'm going to start with the most recent data. Bank Negara revealed third quarter GDP, 3.3%. And the country is on track to achieve its growth target of 4% for this year and 4 to 5% for 2024. So, Ferdows, I'll start with you. Is Malaysia in a good shape from an economic perspective after one year of this administration?
2: Well, it depends what you mean by good because um, I think we i uh, last year this time last year, uh, there was a kickoff conference at the EPU uh, where I was invited to be you know to, to speak in one of the panel sessions where I said that you know because last year 's growth was really good at eight point seven percent so something has to be done this year to ensure that you know you won 't see like a cliff in terms of our growth rates and um, what happened was that uh, well, there was nothing happened really. And um, everything was uh, pretty much as this. And for this year, uh, we internally at Bank Islam, we are looking at 3.7. Next year, for, for, uh, 4.7 perhaps. And the following year, 5.0.
0: Well, they'll say it's external circumstances, right? And also, we don't have the balance sheet to pump prime. But I, I do want to get your mm-hmm. thoughts, Nordin. You represent business interests, right, in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So from your chats with your associates, members of councils, are they more optimistic about the economy today than, than a year ago?
1: Well, I think you, you you kind of mentioned the external part. You you look at the internal uh, realities of what's going on in Malaysia. Uh, I think uh, when we talk about change and, mm. and we talk about what, what's happening in the country, uh, businesses actually don't want a whole lot of change. They want managed change. Uh, and I think when we look at what the Prime Minister is trying to achieve with this uh, with his last, with his first year in as as, uh, as at the top, at the top seat. We realize that there's a lot that needs to be done, yes. Uh, now we need to look at what needs to be done first. Okay. A- and where are we going to spend the money? Because there is limited resources. So are we going to spend money on on poverty eradication? Are we going to spend money on... And, and for me, and, and we were talking before the show, Fidelis and I were saying, hey, what what's the strategy around subsidies? Mm. Uh, because that's really where the government... You know, you used the term earlier, pump, uh, you know, primes the pump. For for me, that's really now how do we make it that actually we're benefiting business with those subsidies because the businesses are the, the people who employ people. Okay. Uh, and that's where you're going to see the benefit flow down if we're going to use trickle-down economics, uh, mm. regonomics as an idea. This is one of my favorite words. I just wanted to say it on air. <laughs> but uh, the reality is um, how are we going to, to get the best bang for the buck? And I think that's really what, what people want to see.
0: Okay. So, you know, we've had Related to this is the Prime Minister did roll out his overarching overarching framework, right? The economy, Madani. Then we've had three major policies, the National Energy Trans- Transition Roadmap, the New Industrial Master Plan 2030, and we also had the 12th Malaysia Midterm Review. Let's start with this Madani framework. I think that's where we're supposed to get clues as to where we're heading.
1: Well, those are the broad strokes. Yes. I mean, when you start getting down to it, but... Companies, so does it
0: work? I mean, well, do you companies, think?
1: Well, companies don't deal in broad strokes. If, if, if you're a food, if you're a food producer, you you want to know exactly what's going on in the in the food sector, mm. uh, the logistics components that pump into your business, uh, the human capital realities around it. So, I think quickly when you when you start the framework, you get into these big industrial master plans. You've got to get down to then you get to those uh, the IMP three uh, review. But actually, what you've got really got to get down to is the the opportunity that you your business now needs to deal with. Okay. Uh, so yes, you've got this big picture. That's the general direction. And I think it's important from a from a national perspective, those documents are in place because they say, look, guys, that's the general direction we're all heading in. Now we need to get to the mm-hmm. point where it's like, what's the actual thing that you're actually going to do?
0: It's the implementation that counts, right? At it,
1: the well, it's implementation by business, not yes. implementation by government. Government sets the directions, direction, sets the policy, sets the regulations. Mm. How are we giving them the the right uh, uh, framework to, to get the job done?
0: So, Ferdas, do you think that we have got that framework? Because we look at this, uh, you know, it's got 12, it's got short-term, medium targets. It's supposed to ensure enlarged wealth, equitable across the rakyat. Does this set the right tone, though, Ferdas?
2: Uh. I, I don't see there is a um, there's some. Is it there's, just there's our there's a word soup? Yeah, there's there's no difference in terms of thinking behind it when it comes to formulating our growth plans. If you think about it, you know we've we've got targets now under the Madani economy, NTR blah blah blah, mm. and so did many other, other yeah policy. every other policy. So you know the thinking behind it is not. You know, there's there's no much of a difference. But what there is a difference here, at least as far as the government, the current government's big plans, is that a clear direction towards uh, cutting uh, expenses, mm. Mm. which you know, in economic terms, if you cut your expenses, which uh, it will eventually lead to lower, slower growth in the future. So I don't know if that is what the intention behind all of these plans.
0: We'll come back to in terms of cutting the expenses and looking at things from a macroeconomic perspective but I do want to check in in terms of how competitive we are and this was something mm-hmm. that was highlighted in the uh, Madani framework which is related to businesses, right? We rank currently 27th. Uh, the goal is for us to rank top twelve in the world but really f- not in how easy is it for businesses to operate in this country. Has there been a discernible change from a year ago, especially when you deal with government and state agencies.
1: Well, uh, you could say uh, nothing can happen in a year, and then everything can happen in a year. You know, but this is the paradox <laughs> something of something yeah, has happened. Paradox of change, you know, and, mm. and, and this is the thing that when when we look at uh, what can take place, of course, you can look at the, the reforms that get pushed through parliament can be one. Uh, how quickly now, are government agencies looking to to digitize the delivery to business and digitize delivery to to the riot as well mm. why uh, imagine once upon a time if you if you went to a government department you would s- spend a day there waiting to get something processed now why Many people is, still do no but why is that killing yeah. the economy is because that's a day that you weren't producing anything you were sitting around waiting for something maybe you were you pump priming your your social media because you had a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of time to, to put out a few more tweets. But the 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 reality is how do you uh, reduce all that time dealing with the government because the, the largest also the largest employer in the country is the government. So the biggest uh, uh, the, the biggest ship in this in this Amada is is the government delivery. So for me the 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 reality for, for business is going to be about how do we reduce the time mm. and, and the resources required to deal with the government. So everything should be about reducing uh, that interaction. Improve
0: efficiency, right? Uh, and it, if you it, can do it online, even better still.
1: Everything. So yeah. everything is about how can, if it takes three days now, how do I make it two days, one day? If it takes an hour, how can I do it instantly?
0: Yeah. Now in Budget 2024, it was announced that they will be streaming, streamlining 31 government agencies, right? I mean, no, under MITI to actually facilitate that. For those, I'm going to give you, a soapbox for like a minute. Do you think this is the right step? I mean, what other improvements should they have done? I mean, it's. I know one reason is because of cost, but what else?
2: Um, yeah, I think I think um, streamlining government agencies and government processes is definitely one thing that we should be uh, uh, cheering for. And one of the many reasons is why uh, I, I say that is because when it comes to things like, for example, cash handouts, they are like over what a hun- um, over
0: eighty agencies 80 at least agencies or something like or
2: something. that. Yeah. And um there there is a clearly need for us to streamline this, but in in you know, in our effort to streamline this, there will be some constituencies that uh, will not be happy with this. You know, there'll be some ministers who say that, you know, this is part of my ministry and why are you taking this away? So, you know, maybe that is the role of the prime minister uh, where, you know, there should be some kind of a negotiation saying that, you know, we are not taking something away from you, but this is more about ensuring that our delivery system is more economically uh, sound compared to what it was before. Yeah. So that, that is something that, I, you know, I, to me, I give it a thumbs up.
0: Okay, Uh, what about FDI and DDI? DDI is something new, we normally never Mm. really focus on it And on paper, Miti likes to remind us that we are seeing record investments First half of the year, we saw FDI inflow of twenty point nine billion ringgit, 132.6 billion of approved investments So apparently we are 60% of target We're 23rd, globally ahead of Thailand and Philippines People say I'm always negative So I wanted to say all the good things, right? But the truth is we still lag behind Indonesia and Vietnam and our share of FDI in ASEAN mm. is lagging. So are current batches of policies like NETA, NIMP, a solution to this or are we just too complacent? Noting. what do you think? Sure.
1: Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean this is one of also my favourite topics. I think you, you, you look at the, in a sense, the deal flow. You say uh, you've got MOUs of, mm. of, of hundred, X, billion. X billion. You've got approved investment, which is uh, a, another uh, a big number. Then you've got actual money flowing into the country. And then you've got money flowing into business. So I think that data needs to be clearer. And I think when the government and we start to map that out, that starts to be a, a wonderful thing that the, those thirty one agencies that have been now consolidated should now start to, to to rationalize on how that takes place because there's also a time reality there yeah you, from mou to to someone doing a groundbreaking ceremony that may take years. five, five yeah. to ten years even for some cases or it could take eighteen months so that now needs to be understood so I, I think when you you start to look at that uh, in terms of of what what it means to make all those announcements mm. what does it mean for business and then what how when and for for the general public what when do I go and become a, an engineer in in this project so I think that's really something that I think we, we need to start to look at
0: and for us how do we compare with FDI from the region what are we what can we do to make things better because at the end of the day it really really is a competition we can throw mm. out subsidies we can give you some tax credits, mm-hmm. you know. Is that enough?
2: I think the best way to do a do a country comparison is through balance of payment uh, of our FDI flows. And that's probably the only one thing that is you know, fair in terms of assessment. If you we were to focus on, say, approved investments like what Nodin said, mm. you know, those those are approved figures. It's, it's not an it's, implementation yeah. or implemented figures. I've I've tracked um, the approved figures. Um, over the long term and I noticed that only about pretty much 16-17% of what was approved is being implemented Uh, that is on the long term but it's not entirely correct in a way it's not really a fair assessment but it's more like a rough figure because because uh, the way I look at it is I look at the flow of, yes. um, from balance of payment and look at the proof approved figures.
0: So we need to actually work much harder than...
1: Definitely. And I think yeah. one, and we talk about strategy and we mentioned that earlier. When we start to think about how has Indonesia and, and, and Vietnam and Thailand brought these in investments in, actually we see this massive trend towards friendshoring. Mm. And we also see this massive trend towards... Being able to access resources, mm. uh, whether those are natural resources, whether those are human and resources capital, or yeah. capital, or and now we're seeing this this shift towards energy and how how companies and how supply chains can get their hands on enough energy to deliver. So is Malaysia thinking, hey, we've got this resource available. Uh, if you want it, you've got to come and invest here. We're going to stop exporting certain things. We're going to stop exporting uh, certain minerals. We're going to stop exporting Well, we did uh, see that uh, in the 12th
0: mid-year review and and I think uh, on some level net is supposed to address this especially from a renewable energy perspective. On The Breakfast Grill this morning is our panel consisting of Nordin Abdullah, Vice Chairman, Malaysia Australia Business Council and Ferdows Rosli, Chief Economist at Bank Islam. After the break... Does Datut Sri Anwar Ibrahim really have too much on his plate to be an effective Minister of Finance to BFM 89.9?
2: You are listening to The Breakfast Grill,
1: brought to you by U Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network.
0: BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Breakfast Grill where before the break we reviewed the Madani economic framework and the three main policies that had been announced in the one year that Dato Sri Anna Ibrahim had been has been prime minister with our panel which consisted of consists of excuse me Nordin Abdullah, vice chairman of the Malaysian Australia Business Council and Ferdas Rosli, chief economist Bank Islam. Now gentlemen, I want to talk about liberalization. Because if you ask me, it's been pretty quiet on that. We've had a little bits and pieces here, you know, chicken and egg prices, for example. But do you think in the first place, we should have just been braver, liberalised industries completely? For example, do away with APs in the auto sector. Allow for the importation of EVs, irrespective of the price point, which we didn't do in the NIMP. What do you think, for us?
2: Um Well... If I can turn back the clock, if you remember, you know one of the few things, one of the few first things that uh, Prime Minister Najib uh, did back then was to liberalise 27 subsectors in mm. uh, services subsectors, and the the idea behind that move was that you know these are the areas where we don't have much of a localization uh, position in 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 a way. So you know, few few years later, he, here we are. I don't see there's any kind of Liberalisation kind of move. Other than other than that, mm. and one thing I also uh, like to note is that whenever there is a crisis, I notice that there are three three moving parts that always come together. One is GLCs, government policies as well as Putra policies. They always come together every time after a crisis. I am not sure why this is the case. Yes, but um,
0: and do you see that happening now? Uh,
2: in a way, yeah. You you kind of see that you know when it comes to you know the kind of the kind of um, kind of um,
0: rhetoric tone.
2: Yeah, the kind of mode that we yeah. are we are moving towards.
0: Okay, rather than liberalizing.
2: Yeah.
0: But at the same time, would you say that businesses are ready for a fully liberalised market Nordin, Isn't it time we joined the adult table at the party?
1: It's a good idea. Uh, But at the same time, uh, rapid change uh, is is hard to manage. Mm. Uh, And you, as a company, need to put resources behind change. Uh, So if there's a regulatory change, if there's a policy change, uh, you need to be on top of that. So the government can't Okay, we announce it today. Uh, don't a, change
0: your mind. No, no, no don't one. change your
1: mind. But it's, and we announce it in in twelve months' time. This is going to be the regulatory change. In uh, in eighteen uh, months after that, will we'll, enforcement will take place, and benefits you'll start to see. Uh, you know, in three years' time. So, while we're looking at PM's one-year report card, uh, actually. Rapid change takes five years. Okay. Uh, so but the wha- messaging starts yeah. now, right? Start the messaging, get the communications right. And there seems to be this kind of crazy idea that, oh, we're spending too much money on, on communications campaigns and everyone seems to be just But 700
0: million mm. ringgit is a lot. Well, that mm. was Not the really. previous <laughs> two administrations. No, I,
1: I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. Uh, I, I completely disagree with that. Uh, because the biggest problem is if you if you do something and don't communicate okay. and then people don't know about it, then it's like you didn't do it. Okay. So maybe seven hundred million is not enough. Oh, it's probably not enough because you got to imagine you're talking about the entire country's communication. It's it's you, you're now competing globally. You can't talk. Of, I mean, you're talking about domestic realities there. If you can't compete with the amount of how much does Singapore spend on communication? How much does Thailand communi- spend on communication? It, I'm sure it's more than that.
0: But this is like global, right? But I'm curious. Okay, so let's talk about this. One thing that we can maybe consider is GST. And you know whether if it does happen, because there's been some reluctance, I think from business circles, uh, of course economists who say it's good, it's good for the economy, how should we implement this? Should we have been braver and just rolled it out and communicated it better? What else what do you think should is this something like we should have just been more aggressive about?
2: Yeah, yeah, without doubt. I mean, um I mean if you if you think about it, it's not just an unwanted administration, it's also another you know, the post Najib administrations have but been delaying this thing.
0: Nobody wants to be the unpopular politician, right? Everybody wants to be voted back in power. Well,
2: here's the thing, Shanning. I think the idea here is not to implement GST and then you know, expect everything to go hunky-dory. You know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't work that way. What we need to do is just to in, initiate small steps to ensure that we don't have to do like uh, anything abrupt mm. you know, in the future or something that can, you know, life-changing kind of uh, policy like we did, uh, you know, with, with the gst 1.0. That was not the idea. I think the idea is just to make sure that, you know, we have small baby steps towards gst and that would, that would suffice.
0: Are you ready for big GST businesses? Are you going to... Uh,
2: well, before we get to that, I just say,
1: I, I mean, to, to follow what I was just saying small, meaningful steps within a broader strategy. Mm. Uh, that's mm. going to get you in, in, in the right direction. Uh, Malaysia has to realise, and, and all Malaysian businesses, all Malaysian citizens and everyone working in this economy need to realise we are competing globally, we are competing regionally. Yes. Investors, whether they are foreign investors or even local investors, because Malaysian investors can go and invest in other countries, will choose to invest in economies that are efficient. And if you can't be more efficient than your competitor, you will lose out. So it almost doesn't matter what your internal policies are. It doesn't matter uh, for what are your, your political reality system, and all okay. system... Actually, it's, it's easy to manage for a business because it's just a percentage. But mm. now the question is, are you productive that I can be profitable?
0: Mm. Okay, so... I want to talk about one more thing which is critical, which is the ringgit, right? Um, That, of course, people say that's not a barometer of how the economy is doing, but I beg to differ because it's something very visible, Mm -hmm. right? We see this figure every day and the US dollar, 25-year low. Tell me, Ferdas, what can we do to repair the situation or should should we even try?
2: I think there are two ideas here.
0: And why is the reason why our ringgit is terrible?
2: Okay, one idea is that obviously because of the you know the different the interest rate and interest and yield gaps between Malaysia and the US that's one secondly um i think um islam expects ex- expect the ringgit to come in somewhere closer to 460 to mm. a dollar uh, by the and and probably f- uh 55 or 4, 450 i think uh, by by next year that is okay but i think the fact of the matter is that After every crisis, our interest rate tends to rest lower. Mm. After every crisis. I'm not just talking about COVID. You know, it was the same situation as the global financial crisis, Asian financial Financial crisis. crisis. It's always the case. If interest rate is the price of money, Mm. then you kind of know where Ringgit is going in the long term.
0: So how can we address this then? I mean, is it a question of confidence? Is it, you know... uh,
2: I would I would create the enabling environment for the OPR to go up. I mean, okay. but that's I mean, going to be
0: unpopular, right? Because I mean, I'm not saying in a way we keep the monetary policy low, uh, extremely loose to encourage businesses.
2: The OPR has never breached three point five. Yeah, we have to make since sure, the Asian yeah, financial since crisis. Since the Asian financial crisis, and uh, the. the Again, the tendency of it to rest lower is higher after but every crisis. But we need a robust
0: economy that can that can live with that higher interest rate. Is that it? Is a chicken and egg, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but you know we don't have that enabling environment. If you think about it, you know mm-hmm. from from a balance sheet perspective, we always focus on the liabilities. But we probably have to shift our attention more to the asset side of the balance sheet of the country. Where how do we grow that asset? If we focus on growing that asset, then over time, the OPR can can go up. Well, I'm not talking about in the next five years. but That
0: know. is a challenge indeed, right, growing that revenue. Mm. Gentlemen, we only have two, two minutes or so, but so I want to ask you, the clock is ticking, the global economy is slowing. The solutions honestly aren't rocket science, I would say, in mm. terms of what we should do in, to improve our economy. But political will and even time and space to implement is the challenge. So do you think our PM should have a second finance minister, someone to help him carry the load? Who's best suited for that job, uh, Nordin? Give me one or two names. Well,
1: I, I, I wouldn't dare um, give it uh, one brave, or two names. I, I'm not an expert in finance ministers, uh, but uh, I, I think when it when it comes to uh, the, the prime minister's strategic decision to to manage that portfolio, uh, he's decided that that needs to happen uh, from his own desk at the moment. That doesn't say that he's not going to change in the future, or he may choose to hold on to it for for longer. Uh, is it slowing down growth? Is it making uh, life difficult for, for business and, and other people within the government? I don't know. That That's something we need to
2: find out. else you? I don't think he's advertising it. I don't think there's a vacancy. <laughs> I think he wants the job for himself. Um, and I'm not applying.
0: Okay. Um, <coughs> one last question I yeah. have. Okay, so if you had to score... Uh, how the economy is and the report card on this Madani government in terms of how it deals with economics and also businesses. What would the score be, gentlemen? A, B or C? Nordin, what's your score?
1: Uh, you know, I would say, I say, I'm not a teacher. So, you know, I'm not a teacher. So <laughs> Come gonna on. A No, 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 no. Uh, what I would say is what's important is that we're here today. We have uh, political stability. And that is uh, by far the most important component to any strategy for Malaysia.
0: But don't sit on it. Do something about it. Take advantage of it. We
1: have to spend the political capital that we've got.
0: What about you, Ferdas? Are you going it- to be brave?
2: I'm going to give it a triple B minus.
0: Triple B minus. That's I mean, barely an investment grade, he's no? A, that is investment grade. Okay, <laughs> on that note, mm-hmm. thank you for your time. Today on The Breakfast Grill was Nordin Abdullah, Vice Chairman, Malaysia-Australia Business Council and Ferdas Rosli, Chief Economist of Bank Islam. I'm BFM 89.9.
1: The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G
0: network. You have been listening to a podcast